Amen. We have a great father who pursues his children. Would you take out your Bible and turn with me to the book of Romans? Romans chapter 16. Go ahead and find it in your Bible. We'll look at that together this morning. Romans chapter 16. And as you're turning this morning, I'm going to ask you a question, but I want you to first go ahead and take your place and go ahead and find that there in your Bibles. Find the book of Romans in the New Testament right after the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Then you'll find it. Romans chapter 16. And we're going to be looking at this uh, passage this morning. But I'll, um, we'll, we'll be looking at really the theme of the whole chapter. But I want you to have your Bible open so you can follow along with some verses that I'll point out along the way. Well, I, I want to begin by asking you a question this morning. How many of you like puzzles? Can I see your hand? How many of you like puzzles? Oh, man, a lot of you, a lot of you. Um, last week, Ashlyn and I were working on some bluey puzzles. And, uh, man, those are a lot of fun, a lot of fun. I, I love me a good old bluey puzzle. Uh, actually, as I was working on the bluey puzzle, it made me remember what I was like as an early teenager. And I went through, like, this season of puzzle phase where I just wanted to get some crazy puzzles and work them. Um, I, I can remember as a teenager one time working a thousand-piece uh, puzzle of the face of Abraham Lincoln. It was black and white, and it was made up of, I think, maybe a thousand tiny micro-pictures of the Civil War. And so if you can just imagine how challenging a black and white puzzle is, but then uh, like a thousand miniature pictures that all together create this silhouette of his face. And, and, and I remember that. I, I remember, I mean, weeks working, you know, there at the coffee table trying to put this puzzle together. I also remember one that I really loved. It was a 3D puzzle of the Titanic ship. How many of you know the Titanic? You know, all right? And, uh, and it was like 3D foam puzzle pieces. There was like 350 of them. And you're putting everything together. Now, now I can remember putting that puzzle together only to get to the very end and to realize I was missing a piece. How many of you have ever done a puzzle before and there were pieces missing? Can I see your hand? There is nothing more frustrating than that. But here's what I know about doing puzzles. Any large puzzle that I have ever ventured to do has always had a box that has the image of what you're making on the front of the box, all right? How many of you are tracking with me, right? How many of you use that front of the puzzle box to help you as you work? Can I see your hand? Yeah, because there's nothing more frustrating than just having this huge, you know, clump of random pieces that are all different shapes, sizes, and colors, and you really aren't knowing what it is you're going after. There is that front image on the front of the box of puzzles that, that, that help us see. It, it, it kind of gives us this finished product of what we are working towards. And here's the reality. Without that picture, with, with, without the image of what we're going after as we're doing a puzzle, you can find it incredibly frustrating just having all of these unique pieces with their own unique colors, their own unique shapes, and as I think about that, I think about the Christian life. I think about the Christian life. I think about it both individually as being a part of God's creation, but I think about it even more so in the corporate setting that we are all in together today. 
that the Christian life is in many ways like that, that, that in a sense, left to ourselves, there is something incomplete about us, right? I mean, if I was just to reach into the puzzle box and pull out one puzzle piece, you would say, well, wait a minute, that it's, there's something there that it's lacking, right? It's not, no one just takes one piece of the puzzle and mounts it on their wall, right? I mean, it's only when we have the fullness of the picture that, that we realize what it is showing us. And the same is true of our lives, that by ourselves we're incomplete, but it's only that when we come to Christ and when our lives come to Christ that we come to Christ not only as individuals connected to him, but in being connected to Christ, we are in there connected to one another. You see, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, I think the verse is overhead, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, the Bible says, for by grace you have been saved, right? For by grace you've been saved. Question, how many of you remember the day that you got saved? How many of you remember that? For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's your faith in Jesus Christ. Not of your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For, here it is in verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. You see it there? Four good works which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, the one thing that all of us need in the Christian life is we need to know what is that image that we are working for, right? Like what is that image of which all of this is about? And what we remember is that God is doing things in us and through us and he, he's doing all of those things through this challenging thing called life. So notice another verse that Paul says in Colossians chapter 1. He describes it this way. In Colossians 1, he says, can you read it with me? Here we go. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Now, notice a few things in that verse. Him we proclaim. Who are we proclaiming? Say it louder. Who are we proclaiming? Jesus Christ, him we proclaim, how? By warning everyone, teaching everyone. Who is everyone? Everyone. Actually, everyone here this morning, from, from, from little Adeline over there on Ty's lap to, I'm not going to point out the oldest member or the oldest individual today, but from like that to that, that's everyone in the church. And as a church, we're ministering to everyone. We're serving everyone. That, look, right here, everyone. You know, I, I've been reminded the last number of weeks we've been doing a podcast, or we've done a podcast, Where We Land, Christ Culture in the Church. And Tim and I have had, my friend and I have had a number of guests on the podcast over the last number of months that have basically, in effect, all had the same answer without knowing they had the same answer. And that is that the Church of Jesus Christ is, is a full body, and, and that within the church, we, we were not isolating or relegating or separating people based off of their abilities, not based off of their age, not based off of their struggles, but understanding that when the whole body of Christ together, young and old, weak and strong, all of them together come together in this relationship, that that's when we see the fullness of the stature of the measure of Christ. Notice in Ephesians, notice this next verse, notice Notice how the Bible describes it. You see, um, that with all wisdom, we may present everyone... Actually, go back, guys. Sorry, I'm, I'm ahead of myself. In Colossians 1, go back. 
that we may present everyone, once again, everyone here this morning, mature in whom? So who is, who is the image on the front of the box that this is all supposed to look like? Christ. Christ. And that everyone is a part of that. And that everyone, it's our responsibility as the church to train, to teach, to warn. So that why? So that God does this growing work in us. Go ahead, now to the next slide. Ephesians 4. Until we attain the unity of the faith, unto the knowledge of the Son of God, to, here it is, a mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of whom? Of Christ. So here's, look at me right here this morning. This is why we're here this morning. This is why we're here collectively of all ages is because all of us have a responsibility to one another. We have a responsibility to teach one another, to train one another, to warn one another, to serve one another. Why? So that there is this unity that we obtain together to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So you've opened in your Bibles to Romans chapter 16. I want you to look at Romans chapter 16, and I want you just to glance over all of those verses and tell me if you don't see a lot of the same word. In fact, if you're looking at your Bible, you'll discover that in the first 16 verses of Romans chapter 16, 18 times Paul uses the word greet. Can you say that with me? Greet. Greet one another. Paul says, greet one another. And he's listing out names of people in the church that they are to greet. He's not just saying that you need to say hello. Some of you might have done that this morning as you walked into this building and you said, hey, Justin, hey, Jeremiah. And you greeted someone and you said hello. Maybe you did that this morning, but Paul's not talking about just saying hello. That word greet has this idea of of um, uh, to respect someone, to, to give honor to someone. I think you see it most clearly in verse 3. Guys, can you look there? Notice what Paul says in verse 3. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ. Now, just keep that up there for just a second. Paul tells the church to greet one another, and he's listing out all of these individuals, but the connection of, of them all together is this understanding that they are in Christ. In fact, if you read Romans 16, you'll find out that Paul uses the word greet, but then he uses 26 individual names. He's talking about 26 individual people. And then in some instances, he refers to people that are nameless. He, in some instances, he refers to entire family units. And, and, and it's much like we have here today, right? Like, like if Paul was writing a letter to the church at Catawba, I wonder how he would address it. And what would he say? And who would he call out? And who would he say, give honor and greet that person? You see, what Paul is describing for us here is that we're getting a little glimpse into his life and his relationships. And what you discover is that Paul had a deep personal relationship with many people in the church. So much so that when he goes to like pen his letter, he, he, he names them, right? It would be like saying Teresa and Ty and, and Ray. It's like, it's like he had this deep relationship with these people. We're, we're, we're honestly, in like in this passage, we're kind of given a glimpse into Paul's like social media friend following, right? Like you see who was there. And I want you to think about who is there. I want you to think about who is here this morning. 
in the church in Rome, it was a really diverse group of people. Let me just give you some of the diversity. There were wealthy people in the church of Rome, like Phoebe and others. And yet there were some who owned nothing to their name. There's a number of instances here where Paul is talking about first century slaves. He's mentioning people that are slaves. And in that day, they owned nothing. They were indentured servants. Paul is talking about Jews and Gentiles. He's referring in this chapter to men and women. He's referring to young and older alike. He's talking about people in all walks of life, this diverse group of people. And he says, yet there is something in Romans 16 that draws all of these people together. Can someone tell me what unites these people in Romans 16? Say it louder. Christ. Christ. Now I want you to think about our church this morning. There's some really unique people here and really ordinary people here. And there's people from all walks of life. I think if we were to look at like income, we'd find we're quite across the board. Men and women, young and old, different vocations, different background, different experience. What in the world? I mean, how, 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 what brought us together in this room this morning? Really, when you look around the room, you know, what, 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 what brought us together? Who is it? Christ. And, and, and to be welcomed into his family. You know, today as we're talking about being family Sunday, I thought, man, there is no other place to go to in the scriptures than going to passages that talk about us being in Christ, that talk about the depth of what that family means for us. Because Family Sunday is far more than not offering children's classes or, or nursery today. But family Sunday is, is helping us right here at Catawba this morning visualize and see that the church is more than just the people that are here at 1030 on a Sunday morning. It's the little ones. It's, it's the senior saints. It's, it's our homebound individuals that can't be here this morning. And they're just as much a part of the family of God. They're just as connected in Christ. But that relationship before God individually should spill out in our lives with one another as we're gathered here this morning. So this morning, as we think about that, if you look in Romans 16, you'll find a number of phrases after Paul says, greet these people, he'll use this phrase. He'll say that are in Christ, that are in Christ Jesus, that are in the Lord. So what do we discover this morning? We discover that the church of Jesus Christ is a bunch of ordinary people that he has redeemed by his own blood and that together, because of our faith, and God's grace, that we are in Christ Jesus. This morning, you're going to be shocked. I have one point for us. Just one. One simple takeaway from this passage in Romans 16. And it's to us. It's to us, the church, those who are in Christ. Here it is. Here's the point. The scriptures here in Romans 16 show us that our life in Christ is to be saturated with relationship. Saturated with relationship. Can you say those three words with me? Saturated with relationship. Saturated is this idea to be soaked in. It's like the sponge. You know, all of you guys got like a sponge at your sink and you take that sponge and you put it under the water and it just gets soaked in, it gets saturated so much that you can like squeeze it and the water runs out. 
Like our life in Christ as individuals is to be saturated in relationship. There should be so much relationship in our life within the church, within the family of God, because, because this is what has been brought to us by Christ. Paul names out 26 people. And he talks about them very individually. And you can see the depth of his relationship with all of these people. And there were some people even in this list that you can tell Paul had a deeper relationship with others. He uses some phrase. He says, my beloved. There's four people that Paul says they're his beloved. It's, it's not just they had a deep emotional relationship, but there were people that he was particularly close with. Paul took personal interest with people, and so should we. You know, the church is not, your life in Christ is not to be lived in isolation. And I think that's the damage of what we see coming out of a worldwide pandemic, is that so many of us in that season found ourselves comfortable with being in isolation. We found ourselves comfortable to not be around as many people. It's like what Jonathan was talking about the other week and, and all the ways that as individuals, we, we do everything so that we don't have to talk to people, you know? We'd rather pay our bills online than on the phone. We don't want to deal with that. We, we, we'd rather go through the self-check. Actually, some of us rather just go through click lists than talk to people, right? And there's all kinds of ways that we can think about how, how in our society today, life is being more and more set up in this culture to, to make us alone, to live life alone, and yet the gospel is, no, you're meant to live life together, you're meant to live life in relationship with one another and in this depth of relationship. And so notice here what Paul says. These relationships, this is what God's wired us for. It's what we talked about last week in living a life beyond loneliness. God never designed you and I to live alone. God has created us, hardwired us for relationship. And you know, some of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we, we, we know this is true because there's a part of us that knows that, that we want to be less selfish with our time. We want to be less selfish with our money. We want to be less uh, absorbed about ourselves. And yet, yep, yet, we struggle with that. How many of you feel the tension in that? Can I see your hand? But God's made us for relationships. And here's the challenge in that. Just relationships aren't easy. They're not easy. How many of you are married? Can I see your hand? How many of you, how many of you, you know that marriage is a real challenge? Don't raise your hand. Please don't raise your hand. <laughs> Two honest ones in the back. Y'all got a great marriage. How many of you have siblings in the room this morning? Can I see your hand? How many of you know your siblings are a real piece of work? No, I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. They're challenging, aren't they? They're challenging. Actually, I got both here this morning. I didn't realize that. My wife and my sister this morning. They just talk to them after church. Say, what kind of piece of work is Aaron? They'll tell you. They'll tell you. And my mother. Everybody, everybody's here this morning. Oh, don't ask mom. Talk to them. Don't ask my mom will tell you the real truth. Okay. Just look right up here for a second. Relationships are messy. They're not easy. Sometimes we'd say, I wish I could do without it. But here's the reality, it, are the, it is the relationships, it is the church that God uses to sanctify us. It is the means of people that equally are broken, who are sinners saved by grace as well. God uses people like that to grow us in our Christian life. Let me give you the words of C.S. Lewis, listen to what he says. 
Christ works on us in all sorts of ways, but above all, he works on us through each other. Each other. God uses those relationships in our life to make us more like that cover image of Jesus Christ. And I know this morning some of you say, Pastor, I've been hurt by people. I've been hurt by people in this church. Guess what? Paul was equally hurt by many people. But when I study his life, I never find him pulling away. I find him leaning in deeper to the grace of God. And Paul understood something about the depth of God's grace that was able to sustain him in his relationship with others. You know, sometimes I'll hear people say, as God grows the church, I'll inevitably hear someone say, man, there's people that I don't know here anymore. That's far more a statement about you than it is about them. Because God has called us as the church to reach out. God has called us as the church to deepen our love and to deepen our relationship. And, 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 and you know what? You can't have, look around the room this morning. You sure can't have deep, meaningful relationships with every person here, but you can have it with some. And my question to you this morning is this, do you have it with any? Do you have it with any? Do you have a deep personal relationship with some in our church family? Because if not, man, that's on you. That, that, that's on you to step out, to reach out, to, to, to minister to someone, to get to know someone, to, 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 to learn a name, to, to, to go have a meal, to, 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 to develop these type of deep personal relationship. Look at me. Relationship doesn't happen overnight, but I can look back in my life and I can thank God for many people through this church that God has allowed me to deep, have a deep relationship with. And as I look back at my life and, I've, and I think of some of the most challenging seasons, hard seasons, it's been those individuals that have reached out, that have sur surrounded, that have come around. And, and I hope the true, same is true of you. I hope the same is true of you. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. In the New Testament, they did it with a holy kiss. Now, I'm not not espousing that this morning. But there, do, you sense the, do you sense the closeness? Do you sense the closeness in that? So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to deepen our relationship in Christ with one another. So I need you right now to find your family unit. Find your family unit. Go ahead. If you need to move some chairs around, it's okay. Just keep your attention right up front here. Go ahead and find your family we're going to enter into some discussion questions this morning about this fact of relationship. You see, I think in the church of Jesus Christ, it's because people have not developed meaningful, deep relationships with others in the body that they end up finding themselves disengaged with church. And that's, that's certainly not what Christ has provided for us. He has, he has provided us a depth of intimacy with himself that spills out into our intimacy and our love with others. God has designed us for community. He has designed us to function as a family. Just listen to these two verses. The Bible says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So this morning, 
Uh, I want everyone to speak to these questions, all right? If you got some young ones in your group, work with them. If you got some older ones that are hesitant to say, work with them, all right? We're all going to give grace this morning. And, uh, and I, I want you to, 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 to take time going around. You may not get every person to answer every question, but here's the first one. Let me give it to you. What in the message from the sermon this morning did you find most helpful, convicting, or encouraging? You got three minutes on this question. Go. Ship, go. All right, question number two. Question number two. What is the first thing that comes to mind when you think of church? What were your first or early experiences of attending a church? Were those positive, negative experiences in your faith journey, and why? Go, you got three minutes on this question. A couple people to share in your group. All right, question number three. Question number three. A couple people could answer this. So what we believe is that the church is not something we attend, but rather the church is people who gather. Do you, do you talk about the church like that? Do you say, hey, I, I, uh, I went to church today as if this is the church? Or do you say, I gathered with the church, right? The church is about people. So here's the question. How might your life look different if you lived as though the church wasn't a destination or an event, but something you are? Go ahead. A couple people to answer question three. All right, question number four. This is our last question. You're going to have to take out your Bible for question four. Open to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, to answer the question. Here's the question. How important is the church? The, question, the answer to this question can be found in the value that God places on the church. So look up that verse in Acts and ask the question, what did God do for the church. And in light of that, what does that mean for us? Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Acts 20, 28. All right, all right. Someone tell me, someone lift up their voice and tell me, what did, what did God do for his church? He died for it. He gave himself for it. So what does that mean then for us? Huh? To die to ourselves and to live for him and for one another, right? If, if Jesus loved his church enough that he was willing to die for it, should say something to you and I about the price, the value that God places on his family, on one another, that, that we would live our lives in that way. This morning, I want you to bow your head. We're going to pray together. A number of prayer cards were given this morning and we're going to pray right now for all of these. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you this morning for what we've learned. Thank you for what you have taught us. Thank you, Lord, that this morning we can grow in our relationship with you and others. God, we pray this morning for a few things that came in. We pray for an individual who's really sick, just asking, Lord, for your healing hand in that person's life. Lord, we pray for a sister that has an unexpected and challenging procedure up ahead. We pray, Lord, for her. And Lord, we also this morning pray for a teacher who is in need of, um, Lord, a, 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 once again, an upcoming test and some things. We pray for, Lord, your presence and healing to be shown there. Lord, we pray for the unspoken requests this morning on many hearts. We're thankful that, Lord, you invite us to come 
boldly to your throne with all of those things, Lord, that we'll find grace there. I pray that as we walk out of this room this morning, Lord, we leave strengthened in our faith. We leave encouraged in our love from one another. And Lord, ultimately, we would live out, uh, Lord, all the good grace and promises and, Lord, the gospel this week. We pray that people would see in our life Jesus and in our way that we love and serve and care for one another, Lord, that they'd see Jesus. And they'd say, they'd say, Lord, they'd talk about our life and say there's something special in those people at Catawba. Lord, we love you and we give you all praise and glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen.